can't believe that you haven't seen it love it so much you really gotta stream it let me tell you every line right now i can quote the whole And welcome to another episode of Movies We Missed. I am your host, Brandon Greenhouse, alongside my lovely co-host, Jane Tawny Hammer. Uh, And we are, you know, happy to be back here with you guys. And before we get into the episode, we've been getting, you know, as usual, as I bring up often on here, lots of hate mail, but lots of fan mail, too. And a Mm -hmm. lot of the fan mail is people (laughs) trying to figure out how to get a hold of us. It may actually be some hate mail in disguise. Maybe they don't have the best of intentions once they get a hold of us. But you know what? That's neither here nor there. The point is, if you want to find us on the interwebs, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook at Movies We Missed. If you're a tweet, tweet, tweeter, if you want to do a little bit of tweaking, you can find us over on Twitter at MWM Chat, one of the most robust Twitter presences online. Um, it's an exciting place. It's where we decompress. It's where we f- figure out what's going on with us um, through the fandom, the movies we miss fandom that is growing uh, by the episode. It's kind of shocking how the numbers are increasing, the rate at which they're mm-hmm. increasing. Mm-hmm. I, and it's mostly through our Twitter. It's mostly through our Twitter. Jane manages mm-hmm. that, which you can tell if you look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's really. It's incredible. The outreach, people from all over the world <laughs> touching base with us. People who are like, mm-hmm, come to our mm-hmm. come to our country, like share your gift and what mm. you do with us. We we'd love to see more about it. There was actually mm-hmm. um there was a BuzzFeed did a, a little bit of a, a think piece uh, about us earlier this month as well. <laughs> so like the reach is happening, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's much like tell much you, like any bathhouse. Much you like know? any bathhouse, the the reach is happening, and so um, <laughs> don't be afraid to tell your friends about it. Don't let it be your you know your little you know secret where you you know you're sitting on the bus and you're giggling to yourself because it's all very smart. It's all very cerebral. What's it's happening on this very, podcast? And it's it's more than just you know turning everything into a gay joke or a poop joke or a sexual innuendo. What we do here is art. What we do here it, is, it is art. And Jane um, is famously my little gay joke. And so um, <laughs> I've really enjoyed sort of. I'm trying to figure out what the punchline is. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. You know, what yeah. it's all for. But yeah, Jane, mm. it's so happy, to, so happy to be here with you. It's so great. I said it's so happy to be here with you. It is so idiot. happy to be. It's a happy occasion. Um, but hey. We are, we, Jane, Jane gave me another Bridget Jones movie. The last one we watched was the original Bridget Jones's Diary from 2001. We find mm-hmm. ourselves now watching the 2004 sequel, Bridget mm-hmm. Jones, The Edge of Horizon, which picks up mm-hmm. about four weeks after that original movie ended. I uh, think it's about six weeks after, isn't it? That's what Dave said. I looked yeah. it up online, though, and they said four weeks, and I could have sworn I heard Bridget say four weeks and four days, but... Maybe in, you and Dave are in, right. In the movie, she mentioned six weeks and eight weeks in terms of the length of their relationship. I never caught the four weeks, but the, it could you know be. What? Maybe then then we'll go with that because Dave thought the same thing as you. So maybe I, okay. I looked it up after Dave said that because I was like, and it said four weeks when I looked it up. But maybe you're right. I'll just I'll let's lean into six like, weeks is, and let's just. 
Or, you know, it could be different. Whatever. I mean, it's not going to throw my whole synopsis off. You guys no, will get it. No, and I don't want to it. So, yeah. No, no. And I, Brandon, the last thing I want to do is fight with you. This podcast cannot devolve into constant arguments. So let's take a trip over the pond, shall we? Um, do you have a synopsis or anything? I do. I did write a synopsis great, um, great. F- for the movie awesome. um, that we watched this week. Bridget Good. Jones. <laughs> Why the fuck are you doing that? <laughs> just for the, your own shits and <laughs> I just like it when I I don't know. I like when people just keep saying like affir- like a- affirming like something to the degree that it just but turns like, into just like manic, but just like, like interrupting you too. It's like okay, great, yeah, cool, yeah. That was so cool. I'm happy with the way things have unfolded. Yeah. Um. No, but you have the floor, Janie. Thank you. What happens after Happily Ever After? We always wonder when one of our favorite rom-coms ends at the beginning of a presumably beautiful relationship. Thank goodness we find out just how things go down with our favorite Brits, Bridget Jones and Mark Darcy. We crack open the hood at about six weeks into their relationship, and things couldn't be better. The honeymoon phase is in full effect, and they're happy as clams doing all the lovely things that young lovers do. That is, until 22-year-old Rebecca Gillies shows up. Who is Rebecca? Ah, she's the statuesque assistant to Mark, and her very existence in Mark's life plays on all all of Bridget's insecurities. She's beautiful, graceful, intelligent, and has an air of refinement about her that Bridget, quite frankly, lacks. Rebecca makes her nervous, but she's not the only problem. We soon find out that there might be some compatibility issues lurking in the background. During a fancy dinner with all the barristers and lawyers in London, Bridget learns that Mark might be a terrifying Tory. For our non-British listeners, that's the Conservative Party in the UK. They also have a pregnancy scare while on while on a skiing holiday in Austria and realize they have very different ideas on how to raise a child. Then Bridget wonders out loud if Mark really wants to marry her after a visit to her parents' house for lunch. Sure, they've only been dating for eight weeks and they're still getting to know each other, but she doesn't like his initial hesitance. Finally, Bridget asks the big question, the scariest one of all, the one she's been dreading for weeks but could not bring herself to ask. Are you or are you not having an affair with Rebecca Gillies? When Mark gives yet another unsatisfactory answer to Bridget, she's had it. She breaks up with him on the spot, ending everything with the man she thought was her forever. Her personal life might be down in the dumps, but her career is looking better than ever. She's offered a co-hosting position on a travel show, and her first stop is Thailand. The only caveat? She's hosting with Daniel Cleaver, her cheating ex-boyfriend. No matter, but just strong enough to resist his constant propositions. But just in case, she's bringing along her BFF Shaza. Things go off swimmingly in Thailand. Shaza met a pretty young thing named Jed to fool around with. And despite all of Daniel's incessant flirting and one very close call, Bridget managed to stay out of Daniel Cleaver's bed. 
they've had an incredible vacation, but it's time to go home to rainy London and get back to real life. There's only one problem. At the airport in Bangkok, Bridget gets caught red-handed with a large amount of cocaine hidden inside a tchotchke, which is a gift from Jed, Shazer's side piece. And in the weirdest twist in rom-com history, Bridget Jones gets shipped off to Thai prison to rot. Will she ever be able to prove that this cocaine doesn't belong to her? Will she die alone and worst of all, single, serving a life sentence in a Thai prison? Will anyone, oh, I don't know, like her human rights lawyer ex-boyfriend move heaven and earth to get her out and back home to London? Will Bridget ever unite with Mark Dicey again? Find out in Bridget Jones' diary, The Edge of Reason. Hey, hey, hey. I mean, it really it really could have been called Bridget Jones' diary, What in the Broke Down Palace is going on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so it's the weirdest, like, moment. I feel like it's, like, so unexpected. You're, like, living your life. It's, it's the world that Bridget Jones lives in and blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, she's getting caught with cocaine in an airport and sent to Thai prison. It's so fucking weird and unexpected. Yeah. No. I was going to say something and I was like, I'm going to get in trouble. I can't say that. Say it. But no, because you just want to get me canceled. Of course I do. Say it. I was going to not everybody in that Thai prison also was was Thai. It looked like there were some white people in there too that they were like... <laughs> I, I felt like it got real dicey with that casting. That's, I was like, "That's that not gonna get you in trouble." Because honestly, I the the whole Thai prison thing was very, very like rose colored glasses. Oh, white for sure, wash. musical numbers. Like, Jen, Bridget Jones saves everybody. Also, I love how everybody has literally shelves their own like trauma and struggles to like support Bridget Jones, I and know. like nobody cares about any of their own problems. Everybody's like, and also like there's like this scene because spoiler alert Mark Darcy shows up to save the day at the prison and like yeah. when she she's so he's there but he's strictly here to help Bridget get out of this prison they've broken up and they're not together and he's under um the he's under the false belief that Bridget and Daniel slept together because apparently as he was gathering information for her defense he gathered a bit of intel that she had you know spent the night in Daniel's room which wasn't true and it just really means that someone saw her in Daniel's room right uh, or bring, go in or go out of Daniel's something room something along those lines but it does not that doesn't encompass like the nuance and the complication of like what happened in the room which was her right. ultimate deciding not to sleep with him exactly he's not mark is here purely in the capacity of like you know a representative of the uk (laughs) who is here to get a citizen out that is in trouble and you could stretch that and say maybe get a friend out but he's not thinking about bridget or he doesn't appear to be thinking about her in romantic terms especially after gathering the knowledge about her sleeping with daniel cleaver even though by the way they are broken up so whatever but i know that always bothered me it's like you can be mad about that but that's on you because you got when you broke up it uh, there's like a scene about like how it'd been like however many weeks and no calls from you it's like you didn't even try to resolve this she just like broke it up and broke up with you on like kind of thin premise and like you never like reached and out and you again. never like really like fought for it so it's a little right. bit like huh but then she leaves the meeting happy about the fact that she finds out she's about to get released from this prison but sad about the fact that it appears that she's gotten confirmation that her relationship with Mark is in fact over and she comes back into like the main prison like sort of like the courtyard area and like several of the other inmates like run up to her and they're like how did 
things go with Daniel? I mean, how did things go with Mark? And it's like, well, no, I they hate- didn't know that it was Mark. They were like, she starts crying, and they go, they're like, oh no, they gave you twenty years. How dare they? Like, they can't do this to you, Bridget. Oh, that's right. But yeah. then, but then they, but then it comes up that Mark was in there though. Mm-hmm. And then they're all like, "Oh no!" And it's like, how do y'all like y'all are like invested in Bridget's life in a way that I just I struggle to see her being invested in yours. I struggle to see that like sort of intense camaraderie within a prison with a woman who doesn't speak the language and yet everybody seems to speak English in this yeah. Thai prison. And I'm I have not been to Thailand, so I can't say that I'm necessarily familiar with how like much English people speak or whatever. But it doesn't. You can seem... lie. You can say that you are. You can say that you're an authority and that you've spent years in Thailand, and we'll just cut the other part out and then you are an authority oh okay well I I don't know why I would do that because like I don't want to (laughs) okay you know know nothing about what's going on with the Republican Party right now then Um, (laughs) it's a lot of faking it till you make it uh, oh oh, I see I see what you're saying I see what you're saying so just lying making sweeping accusations and generalizations absolutely it just surprised me that a lot of people okay so i'm making a lot of assumptions about prison in thailand but generally if i think about jane also by the way loves prison shows that's one of her favorite i do pastimes. i love prison shows oh i hate prison like think it's a horrible institution of course but i'm really fascinated with how people going to prison is actually like a really big fear like it was one of my biggest fears like i don't think i would survive i don't think i would do well it's a very scary place place and so i like to watch a lot of shows about it because i'm like what do people fucking do in prison to survive particularly if you're not like a tough person and spoiler alert i don't know if this is your first time listening to the podcast but i am not a tough person (laughs) i'm a nice person i think i could make friends easily in prison but if anybody tried to mess with me oh i'd be fucked I would be yeah, absolutely you can be, you, fucked. You can't be like policing people's language in prison. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I know. I that also also I would let a lot of things fly and slide in that position <laughs> where it's like, do I want to <laughs> save my ass or do I want to make a point? And <laughs> frankly, I would want to save my ass. So I know hey, what to shut the fuck up. Just so you know, that term <laughs> it's not exactly what they're using on the outside. <laughs> Um, given the fact that your parole hearing is coming up soon and you could very well be among the free people of this world, I hate to see you in any way paint yourself into a corner that ultimately could prove really negative when you enter the job market. Oh, I'd love for us to update our language in this circle just so that we can really be the most welcoming to anybody who comes in. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't go too well. No, they would absolutely fucking destroy me, steal all my commissary, make me, I don't know, go down on them when I didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> so rape. <laughs> Uh, yeah, as soon as you get your little, you're like, as soon as you get your like New England care package from your family, that would be like, they would like destroy that. Like as soon as you get your like fresh lobster and your Tom's and Maine. And... I was thinking like Cape Cod potato chips or whatever. <laughs> but 
but they'd sure. be like, yeah, we'll be taking that lobster off your hands, Hammer. <laughs> this is Hammer time now, bitch. Oh, I would do very, very poorly in prison. And I would love to kick it over to you and ask what kick the can. your um <laughs> what your tactic would be like as a prisoner. Um I'd see if I could slip in like I don't know, some Alka-Seltzer tablets or something so that I could really make myself, like, froth at the mouth and just, like, go full on in, in that direction. Um, okay. You want to seem like a crazy, ter- terrifying person. Yeah, exactly. And I'd probably okay. just really, like, put those acting skills to use. Mm. Make some of those degrees do the work for me. And really try and, like, you know, tap into my tap into my foray into Aaron the Moor. Um, Would it for be... all of you Shakespeare fans out there, <laughs> Titus Andronicus, check the resume. Uh, get it all out now. Get it all out now before you gotta go into the clink. <laughs> no, there's not enough time to get it all out, Mama. But would you... I would definitely be burying my theatrical past. And I would just be, like, tapping into those characters. And then people would be like, why are you, like... Why are you quoting Lear? What are you talking about? I'm like, oh, somebody else is learning in this bitch, huh? Um, yeah, I would do the best I could to just, you know, just give them the old razzle dazzle, smoke and mirrors. The razzle? I don't think you should be giving no, them the old razzle dazzle. Yeah, I but, think yeah. in that sense you'd make yourself a target. No, I wouldn't say that. If anybody I, said anything, I'd be like, who the fuck is Angel Lansbury? <laughs> like, I don't know her. Fuck that shit. I don't give a shit if Laura Linney was fucking robbed for an Oscar. Robbed multiple times, by the way, for Oscars. <laughs> okay. That may, be, that may be what does me in. See, yeah. I can't see. I, yeah, if I hear that kind of talk happening, then I'm going to speak up. If I hear right. if I hear some of the some of my fellow inmates, you know, talking mm-hmm. shit about how, you know, Lapone did a better performance as Mama Rose and Bernadette <laughs> Peters, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep my tongue tied. I'm going to have to speak up and let them know. It was just a different interpretation. You just were expecting Brassy, and she gave you something a little bit more introspective. You know, it was more quiet, but it was no mm. less powerful. And mm. I think that those could be some of the moments where where the jig's really going to be up for me. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, any kind of talk about like Lloyd Webber being a better, you know, lyricist than Stephen Sondheim. <laughs> you know, I'm going <laughs> to, hey, I'm over here. Let me go ahead and throw my hat in the rink because I got a lot to say. Right. I would love for you to just pop on like a lockup raw or something like that, a reality show about a prison to really get an idea of what what conversations are happening. I think you'll be surprised. What's going on around the water cooler? That that might be a little different from what you expect. Yeah, I, 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 those shows, I, those shows are scary and depressing. Um, yes, although much 100%. of my coming of age um, did, in in my awakening as a young lad, did involve HBO's Oz. I will say that, um, of course, but that was that that had a, that had a sexy um, filter over it. You know it what was, I mean? Uh, it was a gritty. It was a gritty take on prison life that involved a yeah. lot of um, relationships between men um, mm-hmm. that 12 year old mm-hmm. Brandon was probably like oh there's no rules in there <laughs> um, so yeah <laughs> it's a bit more gritty and grimy than uh, than old queers folk let's just put it that way yeah a little um, bit a little bit <laughs> So yeah, I, I it wouldn't be it wouldn't be my my my, my best moment. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I'd probably do the best I could to stay low and like just try not to really attract too much attention. But you know, once the race wars break out, you know, I gotta I gotta fall in line with my ilk. 
And uh, <laughs> well, that's a thing that's scary. God, that's the scary too. <laughs> Much like, like we're gonna be doing these streets pretty soon. A lot of people, soon. a lot of I know, a lot of people in prison, like you have to like align like particularly like white people in prison like align with like the fucking Aryan race it's very, no it's very and from it's what like, I've heard it, from multiple people it is very racialized and you right. are you know you you are sort of like enveloped by like a particular like ethnic group and then you have to like make it work the best you can and people you know have said like it's not the same world obviously that like people that aren't in prison live in and so the rules of society that you are used to you have to sort of like throw those out the window just just for survival because it's like mm-hmm. do or die especially in the beginning when it's like who are you what do you stand for like well, I don't know maybe so if I could prove scary. myself useful in terms of like you know, helping people with their cases or helping people procure GEDs and things like that, then maybe that could be a way that I could be helpful. I'd probably just keep my ass in the library and try and just keep my head down. And like anytime anybody needed help, like, I don't know, like writing a letter home or Mm -hmm. maybe like, I don't know, doing some like research alphabet work or something (laughs) like that. Depending on when people want it, I don't know, but I'd be, I'd be right there. A I O U baby. Why too? We're going to, you know, I'd be helping everybody figure it out however I could. Uh, You're assuming everybody in prison is illiterate, Brandon. I did not say everybody. I did not say everybody. But I just said if there's a person who's maybe embarrassed or like, you know, had a serious situation in their life where they didn't get to sort of like learn in that way, I'd be like, yeah, let me teach you. I'll do whatever you need me to do. You need me to write a letter home to your family. You need to write a letter to your lawyer. You need me to help you review your case. As long as you protect me. Maybe you trade protection for that. Yeah, let's find cases. Let's find precedent, baby. If you Mm want to... Hey, you're not the first person to murder someone. Um, and uh, I think that, you know, anytime anybody, even if they tell me the evidence and they're like, I'm innocent, and they're like telling me about how they like killed their wife, I'm just going to be like, not in my head, like, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people who um, are innocent and in prison. So you could. Absolutely. You could, that is a big part of it. So I'd be happy to help yep. them. I'd help the guilty ones too, as long <laughs> as they were going to help me out. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. With all that being said, if we're talking about somebody who's guilty, maybe guilty of loving, maybe guilty of diving in too soon, we're we're talking Mm -hmm. about our girl Bridget. One of the things that really, like, annoyed me about this movie, I got the way that, I got what they were getting at with, like, like, I find find Mark Darcy to be such a frustrating character. He's such a frustrating character, especially as I've seen this older now. I'm like, this is a really immature relationship. Well, there are, like, these moments in the movie where, first of all, okay, so first of all, I was shocked with how, I didn't realize that this movie picked up right where the other one left off. Also, okay, so before I get into that, not to be vain, but what is going on with Renee Zellweger's hair? Is that a wig she's wearing, (laughs) or is that the hair that's growing out of the roots of her head? No, that's not a wig. It's rough. What's going on? You know, it looks like they did something to it to make it like because Renee Zellweger does not have hair like this. Yeah, no, it looks like they did something to it. Her hair looks particularly like thin and messy. It just always looks like she's just like tussled, like she's like come out of like some wind tunnel, and it's just like why is she this much of a mess always? And I get that it's more the character, but but she wasn't that much of a mess in the first movie. No, she was not. Upped the ante. That's what I mean. Like look less put together than she was in the first movie. I went back and and looked at stills from the first movie because I was like I don't remember like it being this crazy and like it wasn't and it's literally just been like 
a month and some change. Yeah. And like she is like it's <laughs> and like, like let's make her hair look insane. Let, it's like it's like the hair the hairstylist came in and Renee sat in the chair and then she just gave her a noogie and then sent her to set. <laughs> That's what it's given me. And it's just like it is. All right, Renee, you're all set. You're all set to go. I don't know why you're it's Laney. It's, it's literally just Laney Kazan, apparently. Um, but she is just, they've got her looking extra messy in this joint. And really also, do. one of the most frustrating scenes in the movie, there's a scene where he invites, um, where Mark invites Renee to be like his, I'm sorry, Bridget. Mark invites Bridget <laughs> to be his plus one to um, the law council dinner, which is supposed council, to be this um, big deal. And I don't yeah. even understand what the event is. It's the law council's Caucasian dinner. And yeah. he invites Bridget to attend. And Bridget, like, she sh- the dress actually, like, I don't really, I hated it, but I don't know why I hated it. Um, because it was. It was an uninspired dress. It was a weird color choice. Was it champagne? It was like a... It was like a light yellow. Like a dull yellow. Yeah. Yeah. And it just didn't really do much for her. It was the sheen of the fabric. And it was like... I think it was a choice. Like, they wanted to make sure that, like, it, like was someone who was trying to dress up that didn't have any idea about like how to do it in a way that might look good (laughs) because you see her next to Rebecca too. And they're obviously trying to really make Rebecca this like gorgeous model-esque person, which she is, the actor is, and she looks very beautiful and put together. Her hair looks beautiful. Her dress is really nice. And Bridget is like in this dress that is like, probably a size too small because you can't fucking walk in it. That's and a part of it. Yeah, she just can't get a... She's not comfortable in it. It's, um... Right. Jacinda Barrett plays um, the character of Rebecca Gilly. Yes. Jacinda Barrett, who was on The Real World London, and that is... Oh, oh my God. Yeah. You are correct. I That's trim. where I know her from. Yeah, yeah. And she's Whoa. an actor. She's in. She's like a fairly successful actor, too. She's doing no, a lot of stuff. But, but, but that is, I forgot yeah. about that whole thing. I remember when this movie came out, I was like, that's Jacinda from um, The Real World. I, I And I'll never forget it. Every time I see her, I think of The Real World. That's, yeah, that's, I remember her. I remember her from mm-hmm. the real world. That's, mm-hmm. that's what it is. I was like, God, she looks familiar. And maybe, I mean, maybe I have seen her in like, you know, other things, but I just, that was the thing I think that was fresh in my head. So totally. thank you for that. that. Yeah. She's popped up in other things too, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. She, um, um, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was just going to say, yeah, that, that's what I remember from, but like, she's obviously like in this movie, this being like, a, like another one of those, it, it's all about Bridget being a fish out of water constantly. And her friend mm-hmm. tells her to wear the black dress and then her gay bestie th- tells her to put this yellow number on. And Her friends absolutely are trying to sabotage her. Like, they have to be. It's like, why would you, it's like, there must be like a scene that we don't see after she leaves where they all laugh because they're like, <laughs> they like secretly hate her. Bridget's gonna fail again like she always does and they send her out first of all Bridget like she goes to get her hair done the person does a crazy job on her hair I cannot believe this hair that first of all when you go to get your hair done you bring a picture and you say I want something like this you don't say wing it and then you get like the most horrifying hairstyle you've ever seen in your life like it looked like 
It was like spiky and weird and crazy. It looked like they you could like injure yourself. Yeah, you could injure yourself on it. It was, yeah, it's really spiky. It's really all over the place. Uh, and then her makeup, like, she's like doing, she, she does her makeup in the in the car in the, on the cab. way in the yeah. cab. She doesn't make up in the cab on the way there, which is just like a bumpy cab ride in the dark because it's nighttime. And then she like gets to the venue and I just cannot look, I don't wear makeup and when I get anywhere, the first thing I do is go to the bathroom just 100%. to like take a quick look cuz you know, there there could be anything going on. And also I want to say like this is I do wear makeup. This is a pretty big event from all of the hubbub. It's a black tie event. There's, you know, hundreds of people there. It is the first time you are going as your boyfriend's plus one to an event. Do not, even if you're late, do not do your makeup in the fucking cab. It's insane. And so she gets, she's got like tons of blush all over her face. All I'm saying is, if you are going to an event and this is like a really important event. Be late and put your makeup on at home and just let them know you're going to be a little late. Like, it just seems insane to me that you would do that. I think that it was it it was just a messy it was a messy beginning. And it it also seemed like it wasn't really that pressing that she'd be there at a specific time because it was mostly just like mingling, which is kind of the thing Bridget does worse anyway. Um but it was just crazy. It was just like a crazy thing. It was weird. She got there. Her makeup. I don't even. It's also was like I don't even know what she did to her face because she, she just on, looked like, like she had a an rash. Excessive amount of blush so that it looked like she was diseased. It was all over her face. <laughs> I was gonna bring up that like before this scene also just to sort of like set the stage. There's a moment where she she's out with her friends and it's before she's been invited by Mark to this whole thing because she the, a lot of the beginning of this movie is her not being one hundred percent sure of like where she stands with Mark even Mm -hmm. as the relationship is advancing and there's a moment where she's out with her friends and she runs into Janie Osborne who she refers to as like the jellyfisher yes Um, and then like there's like this scene where like she's just a messy I can't even say friend like a messy frenemy she's just a person she knows who like who always has a tea on what's going on is is what I gathered and like Janie is just like oh you must be pleased to have a boyfriend at last and then she's like is he taking you to the lower council oh sure he forgot sure he forgot to invite you and then she's like oh time to slim down to fit into that dress and it's just like one thing after the and also like she's sitting Bridget is out with her friends and then Janie goes did he give you the night off to cheer up your single friends and it's just like (laughs) we're in earshot And you're the rudest fucking... Like, She's why so is messy. that normal conversation? That's it's so not, fucking rude. It's so messy and chaotic. <laughs> and she just like, did you get the night off to hang out with your loser friends a little bit? The ones who haven't yeah. found any love. Oh, how sad you all are sitting here getting drunk at a pub lonely. And, and it's, it's like, like, you were just here looking here. for people to spill tea to. And like, exactly. you, seem un- you seem unattached, mama. <laughs> um, I, who gave you the night off? Probably yeah, your husband because he fucking hates you, I'm sure. Yeah, your dance cart looks a little open. Um, so <laughs> that's a really funny moment. And it proceeds just because right after this is when Bridget sort of gets the invite from Mark. But it also is like, I always, it's frustrating because it's like Mark clearly has feelings for Bridget and there are moments where he is a bit more like effusive effusive maybe pushing it because it's like he's never really effusive but like yeah. he gi- but he gives a bit more information about what he's feeling but it's like there are times where Bridget is just it's Bridget and like a mm-hmm. part of a part of being with Bridget is like 
I imagine you just have to lean into the fact that like there is going there are going to be situations where maybe she says the wrong thing or she makes the wrong misstep. The funny mm-hmm. thing about this about this particular scene is that Bridget actually doesn't really do that much quote unquote wrong. No. Um, there's a moment where like Mark is talking with colleagues and they're talking about like the unhoused population in London and like people that are basically like struggling to survive and <laughs> It's one of his female colleagues makes this sort of flippant comment about these people and about how they are like a blight on society, basically. And Bridget well, just sort of oh, it's sorry. it starts how one of the friends says, "Oh, so and so is saying he's totally against charitable giving," which is an which insane is a, a like what a stance! Like, what are you like? Are you like a villain in like fucking Batman? I know, literally, like, you absolutely seem like you come from Gotham. You are, like, the, I don't, I actually don't know, but I was going to, besides, like, the Joker, I don't, I don't know any don't Batman you dare, villains. Don't you dare forget, don't you dare forget the Penguin, baby. Oh, iconic. the Penguin, of course. My favorite yeah. Batman villain, baby. Danny DeVito, iconic. Nobody can touch it. I want them to bring the Penguin back so bad, and I just want oh it to be God. Danny DeVito still. Of course. Why would anyone else do it? Why would right? Anyone when, else how iconic would that be if Danny fucking DeVito came back as the Penguin again? Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, oh. it would it would be very meaningful to a lot of millennials. It would be a game changer. <laughs> That's right. Those geriatric millennials out there would, yep. would really, like, lap it up, baby. Absolutely. And let's get Michelle back in that cat suit, too, damn it. I don't care. Um, okay. Well, I should probably have to fight Zoe for it, but, okay. you know. You're absolutely right. Yeah, they could just, mm-hmm. you know, mother-daughter moment. I love uh, it. They have a lick-off or something. I don't know. Ew. Oh god, okay. I didn't so like anyway, it's off. a very like it's a very villainy moment and it's a weird take to like be declaring to a room full of people. Um and Bridget just sort of like just challenges this insane perspective on like the unhoused population, which also like she's actually the most qualified person in many ways because she's a journalist. So it's like I, it was just like I felt like she was speaking truth to power in a way, and I felt Absolutely. like she was making a very like a very cogent argument for her stance that that is her stance, which is by the way that that's an insane stance to have, and yeah, like which is one hundred percent correct. <laughs> and like, and Mark just sort of like stands there, and then and then Mark gets this look on her, and and it, it, the scene builds a little bit more than that, and Bridget makes a comment about like all of like basically all of the old white people in this room, the old white men in particular, which is what this stuffy ass room is full of is like old privileged white men right. who have no grasp on what's going on in society and she makes a light <laughs> joke about that and everybody's sort of like in this massive room is turning and looking at her with looks of disapproval and then Mark sort of gets this look of embarrassment and like shame on his face and it's like you should be agreeing with me and if you don't agree with me on this issue of like our unhoused population like not being like you know the scourge of the earth and like we've got a bigger problem and I really like obviously we're not having ideological conversations in this movie but I would have loved a moment where she was like aside from the fact that you didn't agree with me I need to know like morally where you stand on this issue because 100% Mark that's just, like, such stares, a huge issue to me he literally just stares at her like oh my god I can't believe she's embarrassed me it's like are you embarrassed because I spoke the truth or are you embarrassed because I have a set of beliefs that do not align with yours and it's to a degree that like we cannot be a successful couple because I think we need to mar- make a do difference. do you have a set of beliefs that don't align with your colleagues but maybe align with you but you're too much of a fucking scaredy cat to agree with me in front of this room of people which is another 
other issue. It also is funny because then Bridget like is seated at the table, not next to Mark. Um, they they're seated at this table. She's his plus one, mm-hmm. and she's seated like on the. It's a it's a relatively large table. It's about like it looks like about a ten round people table. or so like seated around this table. Bridget is almost across from Mark, so there's quite a bit of difference uh, distance between the two of them. And the man that she's mm-hmm. seated, ne- seated next to is basically like dragging himself and Bridget, and yeah, he's like he's and so he's like shitty. talking about like the table, and he's like, well, there's high flyers at the meeting at the event. He's like, there's high flyers like Mark and Annabelle. There's beautiful girls like Rebecca, and then there's you and me, and it's like I don't consent to this. Um, this is not my <laughs> he, version optically. This is not what I'm saying. He says you and me stumble into the VIP room by mistake, and it's only a matter of time before they show us the door, which I, is so rude. Say it's so it about rude. yourself if that's how and you're you, feeling. Yeah, you need to work through that on your own. I hate it. I hate it when people are like, "Oh, look, look <laughs> at us. How, how did how did how did this how did me and you how did these two ugly bitches get in here?" I'm Am I right? And it's like, (laughs) most people just start with a hello. I don't know you. I don't feel that way about myself. So like, let's recalibrate. Yeah, you and I do not have that in common. Oh my God, this room full of hotties and then us over here in the corner. Can't you believe it? It's like, I don't because it's it's not the truth. No, because I'm one of the hotties, baby. You must yeah. feel really out of place now. Huh? Stop trying to like, yeah, trying to pull me down. Oh my god, look at all these banging bodies in the room, and then they've got us two potatoes over here in the corner. Am I right? <laughs> no, we're not going to bond over this because no. I don't accept it. Because it's and rude as shit. <laughs> it's so rude, and it's like, don't think that it's not rude because you've lumped yourself in. I don't know you, and I don't yeah. subscribe to your like beliefs about like whatever. But I just, it's like, ugh, you and drug you me for no drunk, reason. Drunk and sweaty. <laughs> and gross and unreasonable. I just can't imagine a way to, to alienate me more than like me and you being in the room and you being like, oh my God, Oinko alert. Me and you. It's Oinker like, oh, alert. my name's Brandon, by the way. What the fuck is yours? Because we haven't even made formal introductions yet. I also think, once again, to oscillate completely in the other direction. I also mm-hmm. think that what we get a little bit of at the end when we have another really, like, one of those great, like, you know, uh, funny, wacky fight scenes between uh, Mark and Daniel at the end of the movie. Oh, where yeah. he's once again fighting for Bridget's honor. Mark mm-hmm. is. Um, we have, like, we have the memory of the fact that, like, his first Mark's first marriage ended because Daniel Cleaver, who was the best man at his wedding, slept with his wife, and he walked in mm-hmm. on them. So we have an echo of that once again, and then you're reminded of those feelings of insecurity and where they probably come from. Although yeah. I would have loved a moment where Mark acknowledged that and acknowledged mm-hmm. that like a lot of this was the re- this trepidation was the result of just like a fear that is centered around like the profound betrayal, you know, that he suffered, of and course. the fact that it was the same guy who he feels like has maybe wronged him again by initiating a, a new chapter of a sexual relationship with his like you know romantic partner and yeah. I think that like that's a part of it that I feel like it would have been you know nice to see them talk <laughs> about Darcy but... doesn't have the words for that shit no this is why he's they wouldn't let me in the writing British room guy. for this movie <laughs> um they were because like he's just a different character <laughs> yeah he's like can we have a can I bend your ear for a second to just speak my truth? And they're like, we're cutting that. This is British, and this isn't what it is, boy. This is British and um, uncomfortable. But also, I will argue that um, Bridget also doesn't give him a moment to, like, talk. Like, she, like, when she's, like, breaking up with him in that moment where she's like, do you want to marry me? And he's like, 
well, like, and she's like, you know what? You could never muster up the strength to fight for me. And it's like, you didn't even let him answer your question. So two things. So one, I will say, like, she's right in the sense that, like, in public spaces, I'm very, un- yes. I'm, I'm, I'm uncomfortable in these spaces. And the answer to that isn't to not invite me, but it is to be, to make it a point to make sure that I'm okay and that right. I'm and that I'm feeling comfortable, especially since mm-hmm. this is a new part of our relationship where we're bringing it into like a public sphere. It's going to totally. take me a little bit of time to learn proper decorum and like the ways mm-hmm. in which we should move through these spaces. Also, we need to have a conversation about the fact that I'm never going to like, I'm never going to be silenced and I'm never going to mute my opinion, especially when it comes to human rights issues. As you, of as a human not. rights like barrister of yeah. human rights, you should absolutely be championing should, me. Yeah, like, exactly those moments and like let's use those as moments to maybe change the culture of of these events and to maybe give people food for thought as opposed to you just getting this sort of bumbly expression on your face and doing your best mr bane like i need you to like (laughs) to like speak up and be like bridget said uh, the thing that she said was like pretty inappropriate but like she was like Honestly, that's the type of stuff you'd expect to hear for some balding middle-class Tories. And it's like, well, this is the room of balding middle-class Tories, of course. So maybe if you actually want to make a point, don't name call in that moment. She was floundering, though. And it wouldn't have even gotten to that point if Mark had 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 spoken up. She was just just trying to, like, fill the awkward silence of, like, the disapproval of people. And she was pushing back because they were essentially laughing at her. So it's just like... No, I agree with that. I agree with that. No, you don't. yeah, Brandon, I swear to fucking God, you don't tell me how I feel on this goddamn Here podcast. Go. I will, cu- I will cut you off from this and project you so fucking fast. Pointing. You will be replaced instantly. <laughs> nails at me every time, and to remind me of the power that you have in the world and what you can make happen, come hell or high water. And I think it's disrespectful. And for you. Mm. To speak fiction to our listeners, you just—we're talking about a story right now, which is based on a, which is based on a book. This is a fictional tale, and mm. Jane just spoke fiction to all of you by referring to this as her podcast. Your guest, <laughs> Mama. Your guest. Excuse every, me. Every Eka, week. Excuse me. Every Eka, week, you are given permission. Me? To hold this space. This podcast would not I go almost forward had, without me. Baby girl, I almost had Renee Zell on this week. I almost oh! had her come in to do to do this with you. Oh, I was on the you? phone with her before this. We were on WhatsApp. That's interesting. That's interesting because we were Skyping not but two hours ago. And she said, please tell Brandon to stop trying to contact me. I'm not picking up his calls anymore. That's interesting because I was on the phone with her 10 minutes before and she said, shocker, she said, tell me, what does plain Jane look like today? Probably not a stitch of makeup. Interesting. And I said, Renee, duh. But also I said, that's not cool. Hey, Brandon, speaking of gendered shit, where the fuck is your makeup then? Jane. My face is a beat to the gods. I'm, I'm, you I'm aren't bedecked. wearing a I'm damn Fenty. I've got the new new. I just got. I just was literally <laughs> texting with ASAP because Riri's. She's you know taking care of the babes, and I was like, Oh my I god! I haven't gotten my new my I new forgot. Rhea. I forgot. I forgot she's got a baby now. They sent me some stuff via parcel, and so <laughs> it's amazing. The new products are great. This mat, mm. this mat. Let me show it's you. It's almost let me show like you it's the, not there. Let me show you what the. <laughs> 
this this product it has changed my life it's called um it's called For- honey honey hoochie and it is a new it's a new type of um of um it's a lip stain Okay. And it's everything. And all of okay. my followers on my YouTube channel, the, the boobers I call them, my YouTuber boobers, um, <laughs> they're all going to get the free um, samples. I hate that so much. By the way, just so you know, Brandon, this is a podcast. And when you hold things up to your camera, and by the way, he's pretending to show product that he has. And he's actively holding up a pen and telling me it's a Fenty product. No, 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 no. It was a matte product. It's it's really good. I only wear matte now um, just because of Rihanna. Well, you know, I'll say the name. Um, <laughs> yeah, Rihanna, she actually walked me through sort of a tutorial of what she does. And so I just basically do that now. She said, she was like, Brandon, your skin's actually more flawless than mine. And I was like, let's not compare. Let's not compare. Um, but she just let's told me. And I told her, I was like, when I put this concealer on, it always looks cakey. And she said, you just have to take that sponge and work, 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 and blot it in and work, work, work. Mm. And so now the mug is... <laughs> It is what it is. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say it. You can say it yourself. What'd you say, Jane? I don't want to use the word. You said flawless? Yeah. So no, the mug I is pretty much I, imperfectionist. So you're telling me right now you're wearing foundation. Yeah. I don't take it on like you do, though. So it probably... So it's a really light layer. Because she said, she was like, when you have skin that is beyond reproach, then you don't need to... Her words. Interesting. So yeah, so it's really, really nice. She's going to send you some stuff, too. She said she has to send you some of the... The heavier stuff. She said she's going to send you some of the funeral mm-hmm. stuff from her Fenty funeral line. Um, <laughs> well, you so, let her know I say thank you. You let her I know. I will. I'll send it. That's mm-hmm. right, because she blocked you. So I'll, I'll send the message to her. Um, but yeah. So anyway, back to the movie. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that, like, it's just that the, the, ultimately what it is is it's a new relationship and it's two people who are still learning each other is really what it is. And that just, that right. period in a relationship, which it's hard for me to remember because... I'm deep in what I'm in. But for (laughs) people that are... The claws are in deep. (laughs) But people that are in that that new, fresh, fresh... That's a big part of the beginning of relationships. Anybody who's been in one for a while can tell you. You're like super sensitive and you're hyper aware of everything. And you're Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what your footing is, even when it's really good. And so it's like, these two have a lot, you know... They actually... I was going to say they have a lot of really like great moments (laughs) together. But they actually don't. They (laughs) They don't, (laughs) to be honest. And it gives you... It it gives me... concerns me because like they are they have like two cute moments together and then everything else is just like escalates into an argument and one of the things that is insane to me is a she thought she was gonna possibly get engaged at the law council dinner which is wild wild and then B, they've been dating for eight weeks when she breaks up with him and says, do you even want to marry me? And it's like, honey, uh, I don't know how most people enter into marriage, but certainly when I entered into marriage, I needed to, I needed more than eight weeks to decide if this is the person I was going to spend my entire fucking life with. It does. It like it doesn't make sense, and it's like in a lot of. You guys don't know it, how to communicate with each other. That's a big part of it. That's most of the problems. There's like, and there's there's quite a few that were introduced to early on in the relationship. None of them insurmountable, but like they need to be dealt with, and they're not really. There's the right. moment towards the beginning where like Bridget lets her friends, who, as Janie Osborne let us know, are all you know as 
what's what's as single as the, as the number one and <laughs> she let them let them <laughs> gas her up and talk her into the fact that her boyfriend is maybe cheating on her with this Rebecca Gilly co-worker which Bridget is shows so up at his house although I will say that Mark cancels a dinner I didn't like that Mark I, I when when he first calls her, she's supposed to go out to dinner with him. He her weird producer who's like trying to make a move on her, which is so strange after he's literally been talking Every about her like inter- a dog. <laughs> Every work interaction that Bridget Jones has is sexual harassment. Every single one. <laughs> it's like the, the, there he, like, is he, no time where she's at work and she's not being sexually harassed. He like makes a comment about her like having a like a large posterior and not like in a favorable way. When and then, she walks into the editing bay, he is literally rewinding and playing over and over and over again a shot of her ass coming towards the camera. That, my friend, is a lawsuit. It's 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 out of control. And he asked <laughs> and he asked her out on a date and it's like you're a monster and you're you're a piece of shit monster and you've been so rude to me and you've threatened to fire me multiple times and now you're asking me on a date. Go fuck yourself. Also I'm 100%. dating fucking Barrister. Like you could never. Yeah. And exactly. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm dating you know. Colin Firth, motherfucker. You are, you know, I don't even know. Do we think Colin Firth's wife has ever used that as like a a barb at someone? <laughs> like somebody maybe hits on her at like the the meat counter, and she's just like, "Let, let me see." Oh, oh wait, I'm married to Don't film and television's Mark motherfucking Darcy. <laughs> so no, I'm not available to get a quick pint with you over at the local fucking pub. We move in two completely different tiers of society. Don't. I think his wife is Italian, if I remember correctly. I can't do that um, accent on the air. I'll get in trouble. No, whatever. It's fine. Italian people are white. I watched, um, I did watch House of Gucci recently, and I don't know. I could do my best Lady Gaga version of an Italian accent for you guys. Huh. Oh. I guess they may have split up. They were together from 1997 to 2019. Well, she's single and ready to mingle then. So if you see her at the meat counter, you can ask her for that pint at the local pub and we'll see what she says. Mm -hmm. But you are Mm going to have to measure up to Colin Firth. So deal with that. Um, But yeah, so these two, a lot of the problems or the issues that they're having are really just conversations that don't happen. Bridget gets, also it's like, you can't get gassed up by your friends. Like, you've got to like, trust your partner. She shows up at his house. He, although he cancels the dinner with her. And then he said, he cancels it quite abruptly while she's at work. And then, and he doesn't really give her like an answer or like a reason why. Which you're two months in, so I mean, you're not really like, it's not the same thing where you're not necessarily owed an explanation for everything, like an in-depth explanation. But she shows up at his house and Rebecca's there along with like a bunch of their coworkers. It's a meeting that's happening at his home for some reason. Mm-hmm. And but but this is one of those re- those interactions where also like they sort of reach a. And they reach a conclusion fairly quickly. Like she, she apologizes. He accepts her apology, and it actually kind of seems to bring them a little bit closer together. Yeah. Um, and then later on, some of the other like miscommunications that happen. Bridget has a pregnancy scare that Jane mentioned earlier, and she has to go get a pregnancy test. This is one of those moments where like she, where the, where the two of them are like, what were you gonna say? 
Okay, so this scene, I just want to, like, give weight to this scene where she's in the pharmacy. Oh, God. And trying to speak German, asking for a pregnancy test. So this is actually a bit that me and our friend Patrick do all the time. I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but when she does, like, maybe like this, but maybe like this and possibly mit kinder for some reason that is stuck with me and patrick and we quote it pretty consistently since this movie I, came out i have not i have not noticed it um, how dare you it may be something that you should do in the corner when you're like gossiping mm-hmm. about me or something i don't know mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i had noticed it but it is a really funny scene and it's like <laughs> it's, it's like one of my favorite scenes so stupid. and it's followed up by like colin firth like clamoring up and he's really nervous and anxious like maybe but they're excited they're like oh this would be really cool like a little bit early but and then when they're waiting for the pregnancy test they're like talking about oh wouldn't it be cool you know if he had some interesting name like Huck or River and Colin Firth is like and then we can visit him at Eaton and then um Bridget is like, I'm not sending my fucking son to private school or to boarding school, no fucking way. And he's like, all the Darcy men go to Eaton. And then they like blow up at each other. Things that they need to discuss and figure out. Right. About, exactly. Like, a relationship. And they're doing it in like this accelerated rate because this is fairly early in the relationship. Also, and they're oh, both sorry. being stubborn because it's like you can't, they're both being really, really stubborn because it's like you can't, like, this conversation escalates so fast and said you could, like, come to a compromise. Like, well, oh, I, God, I don't love the idea of sending my kid to boarding school. That feels like, you know, not something that I would want in my life. And, you know, just having the conversation instead of being like, what? You want this? Well, I want this and blah, blah, blah. It just, it's so ridiculous. It's also like putting your feet down about this fictional baby and it's like let's let the kid get here and meet them and like see what what the child's like and then we can make some of these like decisions instead of just like i'm not doing that um because there's a lot of that happening in this scene which is really funny and also this weekend because we're trying to a lot of this is tracking this rebecca gilly character who by the way is like 22 yeah okay to like to to colin firth's like no colin firth is like 42 or something and bridget's like 33 yeah and so it's just like it's like what's going on um so so yeah so she's like like almost you know although like that's ever stopped a man before but she's like 20 years younger than him (laughs) but yeah like rebecca's just around a lot and so i quickly hated her as i was supposed to um yeah you were meant to she is just like she's very she's very beautiful which isn't why i hated her and she's Mm. she's very sweet but in this way that like in this Could. way that like it, it like it it's fake sometimes with people and yeah. it's just like or it, it could was be annoying at times how fake. she was always around. She's always like making herself available. She has this sort of work connection to the Mark character. So it's like she's allowed this sort of per- like a particular kind of access to his life that Bridget doesn't have. And mm-hmm. there's a language that they have in common because of the way that they work together. And so it's a world that she is a part of that Bridget is on the outside of. And like that can be troubling for a new relationship when you meet like 
you know, a, a beautiful younger woman who is working intimately with your partner that you're tr- at and the beginning of a relationship. If you're with. Insecure and not sure where the relationship is going. You know, you have questions and you have thoughts because you're a human being, and you like. And you're, yeah. and, and, and Mark doesn't do a lot. The thing is, Mark doesn't do a lot to create any sort of distance or make Bridget feel like. Uh, like you know, you does not someone you have to worry about. Like, and that's he, Mark thing, isn't like, allaying any fears here. Like he's not. No, like he's not allaying any fears. Which uh, it, you know that toes a line sometimes. You know, it is not your partner's responsibility to like fix an insecurity you have. Sometimes that's what you need to do on your own and realize like being secure enough in yourself to understand that like you know to trust your partner not to be having an affair with his assistant. But there's also some things he could do to make her feel better. Like, um, I don't know, when you're going on a romantic vacation to Austria to go skiing and you don't tell Bridget that, oh, by the way, Rebecca and Giles are coming. Like, she doesn't find out till they're on till the they're fucking on the slopes. slope. And, and she like, looks over and sees Rebecca and she's like, what is she doing here? And then Mark is like, oh, yeah, I told her we were having a weekend away and she decided to join. I couldn't very well say no. And it's like, and you it's could. like, you could. You absolutely could. You could say, you know what? Actually, this is just me and my girlfriend's weekend. It may be inappropriate for you to be there. Yeah. And that's oh, it. That's it. You're like, oh, we're actually going to have a romantic vacation and just keep it the two of us. That's and it. instead of like showing up, like, and it's like <laughs> moments like that. It's also when people do like inappropriate things and like you minimize that bad behavior mm-hmm. and like, which only serves to make your partner feel more isolated and more alone and like question themselves. It's a little gaslighty, actually. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, because then your partner is sort of left to try and like, figure out like for themselves like what the truth of this is and like is my is my my mind betraying me am i wrong to be feeling like this is an inappropriate like behavior for a yeah. co-worker of my partners to show up on our romantic like getaway and it's like that's 100 percent inappropriate and like it's to so not have your partner supporting you in those moments it makes you sometimes like i can imagine it can make you not be able to make like you feel trust yourself 100 percent yeah and i would be i'm a person who likes information like i like to know who's gonna be where i'm going i just like to have that information it helps me feel more prepared and more secure about everything if i were to show up on a vacation at with tara and she invited like random people without like a asking me if i was okay with that and b without telling me until we were there i would be fucking furious about that yeah it's really upsetting and like you can't help but feel for bridget because she's very much still trying to like define whatever this relationship is for herself. And she wants to be like the casual, like cool I'm up for anything girl too which like women are so often like trying to be. Particularly I find like in heterosexual relationships women are always trying to be like oh I'm I'm cool, I'm casual I'm accommodating, like whatever you want to do, whatever. So you end up not bringing things up to your partner because you don't want to seem like you're high maintenance are difficult and so I can see Bridget trying to do that in this moment and it's Very like much, yeah. no you are allowed to draw a line here be fucking mad I'd be fucking mad yeah she's like <laughs> scrambling to like make sense of what's going on and it's 
ultimately just making her like flounder more. And mm-hmm. so, you know, then this on the heels of that sort of like pregnancy scare. And it's like another situation where they're not 100% on the same page. But then they then they go out because obviously their families are connected and have been since they were younger. They end up going to like Bridget's family's home and then Mark's parents show up and then the conversation inappropriately turns to like marriage. It's like yeah. they've been together for two months and it's like a, okay, so it's okay, I think, to maybe, for Bridget's mother, in a one-on-one moment after everyone's left, to maybe inquire about where they're at, or even ask them about marriage, like, once. And that's okay. I think it is wild for the conversation to come up, like, in, like, this group. Mm-hmm. And, like, for it to become, like, a conversation topic, especially, in any circumstances, really, but especially for, like, a couple that's, like, barely been together for two months. For, like, family members to be like, so when's the wedding? It's like, we are still getting to know each other. Like, we're still figuring out each other's, like, tics. Like, we're not there yet. And, like, Bridget, in a moment that I do think is, like, teeters towards a little bit unreasonable on her part, like, Mark is like, no, like, we're not there yet. And Bridget mm-hmm. is like a little bit hurt by that, and then they like they leave. I don't leave think that and teeters sh- towards unreasonable. I think that's absolutely unreasonable. Yeah, I think no, Bridget, it is. It's unreasonable yeah, like- to like to throw a question like that out in this type of environment. And it's not. I was gonna say mixed company. It's not mixed company. It's it's your parents, but still, it's like it's inappropriate. And like, if you were really asking, then I feel like this isn't the way to ask. And I think that yeah. like you can inquire with I your child, Mark, maybe one on one. If I were Mark, I would maybe try to be like, oh, like we're having we're. we're we're having so much fun and maybe that's a conversation we'll have later but we've only been dating for two months like we're not quite ready to have that conversation yet. but of course Bridget's dad is there the underutilized Jim mm-hmm. Broadbent um, I know we didn't get enough from the movie but so maybe Mark didn't want to just be like hey I'm having fun with baby girl right now I'm not too worried about putting a ring on it you know you don't gotta buy that cow when you're getting the milk for free baby boy <laughs> like so maybe it was more like oh no no we're not there yet as opposed to like you know, as long as, I mean, I think as, long it's, as I'm it's, getting my mine in with the slam piece. <laughs> I mean, I think it's good that he didn't lie, but at the same time, it's like you kind of want to sugarcoat the answer a little bit. You're with her parents, you know. And when we were dating, I remember, and I remember parents asked us about what, and I remember I said absolutely not. I said it'll be mm-hmm. a, a cold day in hell before mm-hmm. I propose to this harpy. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. got so mad at me. Yeah, and I said, don't call me a fucking harpy in front of my parents. I think that was sort of the 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 vibe there. And, I mean, that was one of the many reasons we broke up. And, you know, I'm glad we did because we can be friends now, you know? We wouldn't have this had we continued what we you know our very passionate physical relationship it's true it was so much love making <laughs> in that relationship and it was so romantic and sensual <laughs> me and, and Jane and we really we I, I've never seen two people grease up more and get ready for uh, an, it was a lot of an um, evening at home a long evening shellacking of the body it was mm-hmm. a lot of that it was a lot mm-hmm. of like you know, really well, sensual t- watercolor like paintings. Yes. Remember when we went mm-hmm. to the Amalfi Coast and we oh. just we and just we painted, just <laughs> greased up, just painted, painted. <laughs> greased up, painted. painted. Spent at least six hours lighting candles in the villa we were staying. At oh my god! I'll never moon. forget it. Jane yeah. and I 
we were greased up. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd gotten some grade, some grade A um, lubricant that was mm-hmm. typically used for to help animals birth. Um, yep. But we got our hands on some of that mm-hmm. from the village, and we yeah. shellacked our bodies in mm-hmm. like in like some loosey goosey, and head then to we toe, put baby. on absolutely head to toe, mm-hmm. and then we put on our painting um, coveralls, mm-hmm. and we went around lit the candles, lit the candles, lit the candles, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then we just we painted, <laughs> we painted, we painted, and we, painted, I can't we think cried, of, we cried a lot. Oh we cried my god, a lot. there was so much, there was so much crying. I There's retched a, lot. a bit. Yeah, um, yeah. There was some dry heaving because, of course, we um, hadn't gotten to the um, the cheese board that we had um, beautifully arranged. Oh my god, the, the charcuterie! Yeah. The charcuterie, yeah. And um, once we, it was enough for about twelve people, but you and I ate the whole thing. Easy. Yeah, easy, and that made the love making that much more beautiful because I, we were so I, full of cheese. I wasn't in the mood sexually until I covered my body in the lube, and then I put the mm-hmm. full-on coveralls on over my nude, lubed-up body. Mm-hmm. And that was the mm-hmm. moment as I felt that burlap material rub against right. my lubricant and that to was quote, all over my and body. And to quote a uh, um, uh, movie zoom as movie, <laughs> schwing! <laughs> <laughs> Right? Oh my God, we had so yeah. much, we had so much sexy mm-hmm. time together, and so much sexy fun. We did, fun. you know, and we it's had sometimes hard. Too. It's uh, we intercourse each other every way anybody can intercourse each other. I wanted off that intercourse, yeah. you know, by the end of it because there'd been so yeah. much of the coursing that had happened, and it was, it was. Let's let's do an outer course this time. <laughs> absolutely, know? no. We had sex. Yeah. We had sex. We had the sex, and then we we mm-hmm. painted some more, <laughs> and then we, we painted, painted some more. more. And then we cried oh some more. Oh, God. Because it was so beautiful. Not because Listen, we I'm were... back there. And I'm back there. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Trapped in something terrible. But um, speaking of, you know, just sexual, uh-huh. like, heat and chemistry, uh-huh. we can sort of have a little bit of a combo about Bridget <laughs> and Daniel Cleveland. <laughs> because we've got, <laughs> we've got ourselves, we've got ourselves Hugh Grant. Back, Huge grant, if him. you ask me. <laughs> well, you you know better than anyone. You threw yourself oh. at him at that um, the W Hotel, wasn't it? It was at the W Hotel, and I felt what I felt. Okay, I, <laughs> I put my hands yeah. out there. I put my hands out there, and I I sized him up, as they say. <laughs> you groped him. You touched his member. All right. Well, uh, not cool. Not cool. And that's he why loved it. And that's why. That's why I love I took a big to swing. I took a big swing. But he did love it. It was a risk. <laughs> it was a risk. That's why Elizabeth won't talk to you. Elizabeth Hurley? I, I was actually thinking about Elizabeth Shue, but Hurley would make more sense, yeah. Um, <laughs> Elizabeth Shue. She was a she was a big actress of the, the 80s and the 90s, and a doppelganger for um <laughs> Kelly Preston, R.I.P. Um so and so, anyways, we um Daniel so, Cleaver, played so, by the incomparable Hugh Grant, 
in the movie, back in the mix, I could feel it gave me very, I hate that I know this, but like the second Twilight movie where they're trying to wedge a character into the movie that's actually not really like that much in the book. And Absolutely. Like, and that was 100% what happened. I looked into it because I was like, I was like, we're trying to, we're trying to stuff him into this in a yeah, way. Yeah, this that, is like, a shoehorn scenario. The book didn't support. Um, but like all of a sudden, because like, the, because they like, we see him really briefly and then he's gone for another 30 minutes mm-hmm. and then like he pops up again and it's like, okay, I see what y'all are doing here. Um, it, absolutely. Trying this to get is Granny also, This was a pivotal movie too because this is when Hugh Grant went from, you know, he had sort of the um, middle part sort of um, chili bowl haircut, although like I'm more stylish version Hugh of Grant. it. Yes. Yeah, to the sort of messy like cool guy haircut. He was staring into his about a boy era. Exactly. And I remember this. I remember the haircut that he got because it was like, oh, wow, Hugh Hugh Grant has a new look and he's keeping it cute and keeping it young and of the times. So also what I thought was really interesting, I read that apparently like in the book, there's this really big like Bridget Jones is a really big Pride and Prejudice fan. Yes. Okay. So I have read the both of these books, and part of the whole tongue. I think we. I thought we talked about this in the first movie, but maybe we missed it. But part of the whole tongue in cheek thing about Colin Firth being cast as Mark Darcy is that she was uh, the character of Bridget in the book was obsessed and had a huge celebrity crush on Colin Firth who plays Mr. Darcy in the television adaptation of Pride and Prejudice and she does mention um, there's like the famous scene have you ever seen the Colin Firth Pride and Prejudice? It's great. I haven't seen it in years, but um, there's a scene where he gets out of the water in a wet shirt and um there's uh, a reference to that scene in this movie and when they're at the airport um, which I think is a funny like wink to that and but apparently like there was supposed to be an interview with Colin there's an interview with Colin Firth in the second Mm. book with the actor Mm -hmm. Colin Firth which spoiler alert they decided to cut although I do think it would have been really funny if they just like put Colin Firth in like a wig and pretended like he was a different person but that would have been great maybe that's a little too is that too meta maybe Um, I would have lived for that but I understand why they didn't do that apparently it's on the DVD there's a in the DVD footage Bridget interviews Colin Firth Bridget Jones interviews Colin Firth which I think is kind of cute that's so Um, great but yeah so we get Daniel Cleaver and her working together and once again like Bridget is always also just like getting shit on in the workplace in this way that is so inappropriate and it's 100%. like she just and everybody just expects her to take it and there's always like a woman who's been <laughs> cast who's like in the room watching like all of this like these men behaving badly and who's just like chuckling along because she's just like exactly don't 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 target me next or like or like implying that Bridget's asking for it <laughs> yeah it's like she's in the room to show like what a properly behaved woman is supposed to be doing in this situation and she's just like cowering and hoping she doesn't get like proposition. <laughs> And they're like, this is how you're supposed to act in the room. You see how she's quaking in the corner? Bridget, you're a bit too brassy. And like, it's just Bridget literally defending herself and just being like, hey, you're not going to talk. You're not going to talk to me like you're out of your fucking mind. And everybody's like, whoa. And it's like, I walked into 
a like a, a metaphorical a hostile, firing squad. A like, hostile situation. I came into Everyone the room and was to me. instantly roasted by a room full of my colleagues. And <laughs> all I did was defend myself lightly. And everybody's like, whoa, the bitch is unhinged. And it's like, just speak respectfully to me. That's it. Yeah, like, just treat me with fucking respect and not like a, a hole to stick your dick in. Like, also, they're that. always they're also always like threatening to fire her. Like, like to such an unhealthy degree. Not that there's a healthy degree, by the way. But, yeah. like, they If your stay. boss is threatening to fire you once or on a consistent basis, you are in a toxic work environment. <laughs> it is it is out of control. And I know you're yeah. all probably thinking right now, as Jane says that, the, the, how I, the ir- irony of that being that I have threatened to fire her on this podcast before. But well, don't worry about our relationship. Because this is our podcast and he's not the fucking boss of me. So that's I'm why the, right this this work relationship is toxic for other reasons, baby boy. If you want, if you want to go there, Jane needs the gig, and I know she does, <laughs> and I see the desperation on her face. We start oh, recording. Jane's lips start trembling. <laughs> She's like, "Hey, hey, Mr. Greenhouse, can we talk for a second? I'm like, "Sure." Mr. Bend my ear, and then it's. It's her attempting on my deathbed to cultivate a favor with me. They're holding the antidote to whatever poison I I said to her. And you said, all you need to do is call me Mr. Greenhouse and I will give you the antidote. I said, stop embarrassing yourself, Jane. I fucking die. I know you need this. (laughs) I know you need this gig. She said to me, and I quote, the Hmm? exposure that I've gotten from this podcast has been... The it's been life affirming for me. Your ass. And she said, "What a gift you gave me by letting me learn at your knee." And I said, guys, "Don't think about it like that, Jane." I said, "You deserve knee. to be here, and you deserve to share this space with me mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. a lesser capacity, you know, but the way that you do." And I said, "Stop crying. Stop trembling." Um, and I said, we're going to figure it out, you know? And for now, we are. Mm. And you're all listening. And I get the messages from everybody. And I hear you when you say, take it solo. You know, she's weighing as you down. Soon it's bogged as, down. Uh, um, as but don't worry as about I that. Get, no, as soon as I chemistry. get my payday, baby, I don't know who you are, okay? Anyways, I I'll would go, actually go like Amazon to and bring... order you some. They all have nuts on them, in them but you're not. You don't have any more to. I'll get you some paydays, girl. Um, got a chocolate dip version coming out. Uh, but yeah, so I have a question. Ask away. Why does Daniel Cleaver stay? fly first class and stay in the nicest resort and Bridget has to stay she her original ticket although he brings her up to first class is a fucking middle seat in uh, in um, well, that's biz- probably er- just so so he can set himself up as the savior. He probably he probably plan plan this whole messy thing out just for the sole purpose. Either that or Bridget brings her friend Shaz with her. Did Bridget cash in her first class ticket to to get to lower tier tickets to bring Shaz with her? It's possible. I did think of that. But the second thing is, he's also staying in this gorgeous hotel, and they're staying in a hut on the beach. And it's like, she wouldn't have to trade in her hotel room for yeah, a hut on the a, beach. Yeah, she wouldn't have to trade you in her hotel room. could just both stay in the nice hotel room. Yeah, you know? it really, that doesn't make sense. And he brings her no. up, so he automatically, he's setting himself up as some sort of savior. And mm-hmm. he brings her up to first class with him. 
And they, you know, they are sort of, in a way, kind of picking up where they left off. Although, not completely, because where they left off is him cheating on her. So, yeah. you but know. But he's trying to woo her again all throughout time. Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, baby. That's what they're okay. betting on. Exactly. And, and also, first of all, okay, so let's be clear about one thing. I got really upset towards the second half of this movie, and I yelled a lot. I'm black, and we yell at TV screens a lot. I got really (laughs) upset in the second half of this movie because I was like, there is no world in which Shazer doesn't get that ass whooped when I see her. I said to Dave, I said, when they got back to that apartment in the city, and Shazer popped her big ass head around that corner I said to Dave I was like it like on fucking sight like those friends would have had to pull me I would have gone back to jail in London because I would have done a number on her it would have been a it would have been a salt and battery baby because she would have gotten these hands first class from it, it, don't forget about Phuket where it was filmed at because it's fucking right now because me and you we're duking up so you might as well be prepared because I would have learned a couple moves while I was in that prison and I would have brought it to her I she mean, popped her head out and she would, there would have been no explanation just a, sh- a sheepish apology and Bridget just gives her a hug I would Fuck be that. like you are unbelievable in terms of your poor judgment when it comes to this I love all the words that you're using because my body would have told the story. You, you, as, we, as we've covered, I'm not really great physically, but Look, I will fucking destroy you. Jane would have been, it would have been words. Jane using the words, and I would have been getting her with the gut punch. <laughs> getting her with the gut punch. Um, it would have been a lot. Like, there would be so, like, we would never be the same again. There would be a lot of processing that we'd have to do to it even was... be able to have lunch in the same room. I would be like, I can't look at you because you've stolen something from me. Because so... you were trying to get a little fucking strange at the beach. Oh my God, and stole in the name of our girl Kelly Rowland, baby. <laughs> exactly. I love that song. I forgot about that. Remember that? That's like, right, Kelly gave us that. Remember Simply Deep was the name of the album. It was that alternative oh, number. So you know, good. Matthew was like, Michelle, you've got to do gospel. <laughs> Kelly, you've got to do alternative. Remember She's when like, you, oh. got mad, you got mad at me when I called Michelle the gospel queen. You were like... No, she. I mean, she is, but no, it just, it would have been really but like... You wanted, you wanted me to give her more, and well, I didn't. Yeah, people always give her the crumbs. They created that whole, like, what was it, that poor Michelle? It was just like a bunch of, there's a website that was just all these moments of Michelle floundering in Destiny's Child. It was a mess. And that's really mean. Yes. And she is great. We love Michelle. She's part of one of the most iconic trios of all time. And again, a solo artist, you know, in her own right and has success in that way. Maybe you haven't heard of it because you're not invested in the world of, of gospel music. But she's doing her thing. And no, they were clearing I that lane her for, her. for B. And I know that Kelly and Michelle must have been like, well, I'd love to do something more in line with what we do as a group, like maybe pop R&B. <laughs> and Matthew was like, people in hell want ice water. <laughs> but you know who's got that on lock? Baby girl. Um, My girl. Can't say, can't say he was wrong. <laughs> um, but so we're all we're upset with Shazer because on the plane, 
they're supposed they're, they're you know they're going to their seats and Shazer sees this young man who she thinks is what? quite attractive. Say, take it again. Take it again. Shazer. What's her name? Shazer. Oh, Shazer <laughs> sees this. Shazer sees this. Do you think Shazer's related to Shaba? It's her name is Sharon, but she calls her Shazer as a nickname. Oh, okay. So Shazer yeah. sees a dude on the plane. He's mm-hmm. apparently younger than her. They look like they were the same age to me, but they kept talking about uh, how young he was. I was like, it's mm-hmm. hard for me to tell. I can. Yeah, but she sees him, and then she sits next to him on the plane, and Bridget gets stuck sitting next to this dude who is out of control. At one, like the moment before <laughs> Daniel actually calls, like sends the flight attendant back to grab Bridget and bring her up to first class. Mm-hmm. We see that like. Shazer's sitting next to Jed and they're, they realize they're reading the same book and clearly it's kismet and Bridget's mm-hmm. stuck sitting next to this dude who is like coughing on her and then at one point like Bridget like there's a moment where she's holding like a, she's holding like a drink in her hand and he like he like grabs her arm <laughs> and then the drink pours all over him and then he's like Wah! and it's like you literally just grabbed her arm like you she was shot stop touching her did it you was clock, so funny did you, did you clock what he said no what he say? okay he goes he's talking about how excited he is to go to to thailand and how how much he loves the ladies there and quote especially the young ones Ugh, and gross. i was like okay bridge you're sitting next to a pedophile oh or as the British would say a pedophile and so it's a good thing she she got pulled into first class with Daniel because she might have been sitting next to a fucking criminal. I don't know if Dave will be upset with me for... We can cut it if he is. But Dave was playing a game. Dave and his boys, the, the bros, they were playing a game like <laughs> a virtually last night. And he mentioned that like the, there was like four of them playing against like a, like, video a group. Game? Yeah, a video game. Like against okay. another group of four people. And he was like, yeah. He was like, they had really weird names. And I was like, like what? And one of the guys' names was like... I think he said like Johnny Cockring or something. And then one Ew. of the other guys' names was like Boy Lover 42 oh my god and, I, and he was like that's appalling right and I was like yeah that's yeah. really fucking weird I and hope he said, means a, a man lover and then he said that like so then like when things were happening in the game um, Hubert Cockring was the other guy's name and then he said <laughs> when things were happening in the game like one of his his the, his buddies he was playing with had to be like oh somebody needs to uh, guard like boy lover 38 oh boy my god boy lover 38 that is it can't be explained away. Nope, it can't be it's explained away. Um, but I just thought that was a funny um, <laughs> thing. Great. So also, after so the so we get the beginning of this Shazer Jed relationship. Bridget sitting in first class with Daniel. They they get to Thailand. It's gorgeous, and we see some rekindling happening. At this point, Bridget is no longer with Mark, and. Also, we see Shazer and Jed's relationship developing. The first appalling thing that happens is Bridget goes out to have lunch with Shazer and Jed, and they let her have psilocybin mushrooms without her consent. She's, like, eating lunch with them. You're being drugged by your friends secretly, which is, like... An assault of a kind, yeah, of, well, of certain absolutely. kind. Absolutely, no, it is one thousand percent assault. Don't make that decision for me. Exactly, and you. This tells us everything we need to know about Jed, who is the fucking and Shazer, who has terrible fucking judgment, who would do that to her friend with this fucking young guy she's fucking. 
I remember hearing this story, and I don't know if it's true or not, but it was years ago. One of my really good friends, Chris, God rest his soul, he used to always tell me these funny stories about the Beatles. He was a huge Beatles fan. And I remember him telling mm-hmm. me that, like, the Beatles apparently, especially during, like, the Sgt. Pepper's era, like, they would, like get like like people would like just like like lace their drinks like they'd be like at like a like oh a restaurant God. or something and somebody who's like a fan knowing that they like psychedelics would just like drop a tab of acid into no, like their can't. drink and walk by and not tell them so sometimes they would just be like tripping and not know why and it was because somebody had walked by their table and was like oh they're gonna love this and i was like that sounds like my Nightmare is just nightmare. people making that decision for me about my body. And also, like, like, go, like, I have a full day. I don't have time to be tripping on acid during these meetings I'm taking. Like, I can't just be like living in the clouds with y'all. Like, it can't be Lucy and this guy with diamonds all the time. I have an interview right. in the studio with Diane with Diana Shore today. Like, it, it's not. This isn't the moment. Okay, Ed Sullivan's no. not gonna like me. You know, licking his light bulbs on his set. I got stuff to do. Um, but I thought that was really wild but then we're just like in the water like in this movie shout out to blue crush um we said once again we've got a a woman in the water waiting (laughs) and we're just in the water and her and like jed and shazzer just walk off giggling and i'm like she is under the motherfucking influence y'all left her in the water she could drown like i know i'm just an old man that's why i can't enjoy anything anymore i would have thought this when i was 22 as well it is like no, no, it's not I, cute. I'm sorry. And I, I I have railed against people for doing shit like this and for like drugging, you know, or working other drugs into like uh, you know, you're smoking a joint with someone and there's other shit in that in it and they don't tell people until afterwards. Like I didn't know you like to get wet. PCP. <laughs> Remember that? Chappelle What's show? What's that from? Wayne it was oh, Wayne Brady lacing yeah. Dave Chappelle's Oh my god. Um <laughs> But it's like that kind of like craziness happening, and oh so my then God, yes, so good. Sorry, and I then just Daniel got Cle- really excited about the Chappelle show. <laughs> no, I know, right? <sighs> and then Daniel Cleaver like is comes to the rescue, and like you know, him and Bridget have this lovely time together, and she starts thinking about potentially like giving him a second shot for no reason, by the way. At no point does he ever really make amends for what he did, or like yeah, he made, well, I think he once he says, says like, he's in sex therapy, which, which isn't is true, which isn't true. And then yeah. Bridget gets back to his hotel room. There's a moment, and, and it's a montage. Like they're getting to know each other again and connecting again. And Bridget's more and more thinking about She's like just the, remembering about like how he made her feel when they were in a good place. When and they were in a good place, which is intoxicating. It's intoxicating. You're, you're in on Thailand, vacation. You're outside you're of your day to day routine. You like, get swept up in like yeah. the mo- and you also like are wanting to live in the moment. And like maybe you start to feel like that's been your problem. Is like is thinking too much or putting too much weight on all these things and it's you know parts of you start to betray you know your your better you know your better judgment like the and you just broke up with somebody so you're craving that sort of like attention and like you know and the uh, thing that daniel cleaver always had over mark darcy was the fact that like 
although it may be bullshit, he knows how to say what you want. And he knows how to at exactly. least give you the illusion of like an intense connection. And Mark is stilted in many ways in that department and doesn't use his words all the time. And so to have a Daniel Cleaver telling you, you're beautiful. I want to be with you. I want to be with you sexually. Like all of this stuff, it is like, it just, it, you get swept up in it. I have to you know? say, if I was Bridget in that moment, I would 100% probably fall for that too. Well, and also, be like intoxicated by it in Thailand and be like, like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to sleep with him. But also, like, Bridget has a moment in the bathroom where we're actually, they want to they make it clear story-wise that Bridget was has made the decision to not sleep with him and that yeah. there's still something there with her and Mark. So she comes out of the bathroom. She tells him no. He's still sort of, like, trying to implore her. And then we have a Thai woman who comes into the room and Mm -hmm. basically she is like a sex worker and Mm -hmm. she lets us know that she is there to engage in like a like predetermined like sexual like liaison a dick appointment this is what we call a dick appointment a dick appointment with Daniel and Mm -hmm. as she knocks on the door Daniel sort of tries to send her away and she enters the room also she gives up so much tea that she doesn't need to give up (laughs) she's like just so like we're clear on what like that this wasn't a room switcheroo she's like yeah also she said something I thought was so funny not because it's like not true and probably something you think about in this line of work but she's like yeah you you fucked my friend yesterday she said you were a big tipper and it was just like (laughs) it's just so funny to me because it's like I get it it's like yeah I want to make good money this person paid you good money yesterday I just thought it was so funny because it's like I feel like if I were a sex worker like I would maybe try and like massage it a little bit more of course you want to make sure yeah you make sure you want to get the big tip but you don't necessarily mention it saying I'm expecting a big tip. <laughs> yeah, hey, I heard you give a lot of money. That's what I'm expecting tonight. It's like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> okay, hello. Well, I was expecting <laughs> an incredible blowjob, so please perform. You well, know? Yeah, your friend also put in that work yesterday, so... Exactly. Um, let's see what you earned. But, she, um, <laughs> she set a pretty high standard. Let's see what you got. <laughs> God, we're horrible people. So, that's what... Everything cons- everything consensual, by the way. We're, we're yes, like, exactly. Enthusiastic and, consent. And, um, and, and, and absolutely enthusiastic. We 100%, you know, support this totally fucking standard financial exchange. Absolutely. So that all happens. Bridget realizes, oh my God, he hasn't changed at all. Also, it's like that moment of like, oh my God, like you just had sex with somebody like yesterday and like you were going to have sex with me and like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's just like, it's like you were willing you spent, to just... The thing is, you spent this, like, week or however long it's been whining and dining me, flirting with me, telling me how much you want me, telling me that you, you know, um, are so interested in getting back with me, and yet you fucked someone else yesterday. It In the grand scheme of things, like, if they were just, like, hooking up and didn't know each other and he had slept with someone yesterday, like, that wouldn't really be relevant to the situation. But the fact is, he seems like he's been chasing her this whole time but he's been again getting some strange on the and side. And he's been able to be such a gentleman because he's been going back to his hotel room and having sex with different women every night. Exactly. So it's like that's why he's been able to like give you your time to like figure out what you want and like if you want to be with him because he's mm-hmm. doing what he's doing after these dinners and it's just like it's so fucked up and <laughs> then like Bridget realizes of course she's going to be with him and then mm-hmm. she's like getting ready to go back to the U to not the US to um to London um, she's got this new, like, sort of 
resolve, I think, to work things out with Mark. Yeah. Um, if that's possible. As they're packing their bags, Shazer, like, hands her what looks like some sort of, like, oversized, like, ashtray with, like, almost like a taxidermied, like, snake that is, like, sort of draped around the outside of it. And when, Whatever it is, it's it, ugly. It's and ugly. And it's huge, I would say, by the way. I would say you don't need to bring... She's like, oh, I can't fit this in my um, suitcase. Can you take it? Or, and Bridget's like, yeah, I can fit it in mine. And I'd be like, this is too ugly to take. Also... This, this looks like it has drugs in it. <laughs> and all and it also must have been like loosey goosey when you shook it. You must have like something and they're like, that ain't Sam, baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Bridget takes it. She gets detained at the airport. As she gets detained, she mums a word from Shazer as yeah. she like scampers off, which like I get it from her perspective. Let me get back to the US. I mean, good lord. Let me get back to London and let me like get in touch with Raise the proper the authorities. Alarm. But it yeah. doesn't really feel that way. Also, Shazer looks like she's strung out on something herself. Like <laughs> I know. She, those she's, she's, I don't think she's been the best friend on this vacation. Well, we I know mean, she, she hasn't already, because she yeah. drugged old girl earlier. So exactly. she scampers off. And then we see Daniel Cleaver, who sees Bridget being detained and taken into one of those rooms for questioning, and is a very wealthy, like, well-connected man who, like, and also Caucasian, so the right color. Yeah, um, exactly. But we see him make the decision to just let her flounder, which is a very... He does which, not. Thing. I said to Dave, this isn't characteristic of Daniel, though. I was no, like, I don't think isn't. Daniel would have done this. Like, because I was like, Daniel, he's a dick, but he cares about Bridget in his own fucked up way. But there's yeah. also, she's a reporter who works alongside him. I just didn't right. see it. I, I was like, this and, is like, a one part of the story. I why we didn't meet anybody from the production team of this show who was like helping facilitate no. anything. Like, you wouldn't be going to the airport or going to all these locations by yourself. Someone would no. be wrangling and figuring it out and then if you're fucking co-host or uh, or you are production you know you're a producer and you're see the the host of the show getting detained for drugs you spring into action as well so it just seems like it was like so really wild. weird she was like yeah. with this like show that has enough money to fly her over for what feels like this really like involved like shoot and then she's just mm-hmm. sort of loosed on the airport and like this happened she goes into the room Daniel essentially like shrugged it's also like it's one thing if you see her like maybe like trip and fall or like her suitcase burst open in the middle of the airport and she's floundering and you're sort of like uh whatever we had a weird interaction she sort of told me to screw myself i'm gonna let her figure that out it's another mm-hmm. thing if you see her going into like a room to, like and being detained by a group of like the thai police force like you're gonna be like hey let me make sure she's okay before i get on a plane right. and like leave the country and potentially leave her here like to be charged as like a war criminal or something i don't know but right. like he just he is and it's and it's not the person we've seen him be in either of the movies up until this point and it feels like a weird like turn for narrative and it's just like this i don't buy i like Mm -hmm. and i would have i would have preferred because what they're what they're trying to do is set up the fact that like he is the opposite of what mark is and like but we already know that and we already know he's a a piece of shit set up a reason for him and mark to have like a a brawl but literally (laughs) with mark mark has a hairline trigger when it comes to daniel so you don't need much so they could have still set up that fight by you know mark i mean you know later on all it would have taken was daniel making a comment like well you know i'm hopefully she'll come to her senses like your wife didn't let me please her again or something and that's enough for mark to like go crazy like this yeah. stuff is unresolved between them. It's always mm-hmm. going to be on site with these two. So, like, you, you don't really need much more than that. So you, you, don't... And Sha- you and Shazer and Daniel and um, 
uh, Mark. Uh, oh, I mean, I would never hit a female, but I was just saying if I was Bridget, if I was inhabiting Bridget, right. mm-hmm. yeah. If you if your brain was inside Bridget, one if brain my brain and Bridget, then you better believe it. Um, uh, it's going down basement friday the 13th and guess who's playing jason absolutely um so so that's what's going on and yeah daniel leaves her she goes to this prison she's there for a long time too she is yeah, there for I a can't spell. remember in the book but she's in there for a really long time it is like a it is a really long time for her to be like she makes friends she like the bartering of her bra happens oh yeah and she starts smoking cigarettes again which i'm like <laughs> If I was in Thai prison, I would be. I would start smoking and light a cigarette. Just always have a cigarette in my mouth. That would be my only way of dealing. Your only pleasure. (laughs) No, because she is locked up in this prison, and she's there for a while. He finally, Mark finally gets her out, you know, and then she's back to you know London. And when she gets back, this is when she sort of he he makes this. He says, "I was already in. I was already here on visit, and I'm here on official business." And then she finds out when she goes to see her friends, and she doesn't whoop Shazer's ass. She finds out from Shazer that when she got back she made the call she needed to make um, so finally showed up and that she like Mark went through like this series of like hoops to like get Bridget out of jail like right. it was he not did everything a simple, within his power he did and, literally everything within his power to get her out uh-huh. and he succeeded and so when Bridget finds that out she goes straight to Mark Darcy's house but he's not there who's there but Rebecca Gillies. And so Bridget, this is, I'm curious what you think about this. So Bridget thinks that they're in a relationship and she says, I hope you're very happy together. And what Rebecca does is she says, oh no, I'm not with Mark. I'm not in love with Mark. I'm in love with you, Bridget. Like it's always been you. And then she kisses Bridget and Bridget is like, what does she say? She's like, um, I'm afraid it's still men in general and Mark Darcy specifically or something like that. But, you know, if I were ever to bat for the other team, it would be no one else but you. And <laughs> Tara and I were watching this and she goes, don't say that, Bridget. And I was like, what? And she was like, you don't give a lesbian false hope. She'll spend her entire life pining after you. <laughs> Which made me fucking laugh and is true. But also, this is insane, right? And also they have the montage similar to like the like usual suspects Kaiser Soze montage at the end where they putting all the pieces together and like we oh see the montage God. of shots of her where it's like all those times Bridget thought that like Rebecca was looking at Mark. She was actually like looking at Bridget and like all of the clues were there. And it's just like, what? No. It was so, it was it was an annoying way to put like a bow around this whole Rebecca Gillies thing. Which, because in it, the book, it's not that way. In the book, no. Rebecca is after, after, um, is after Mark. And she does, like, she is tries, pouring she tries pestilence, to break in the yeah. words of Hamlet, pouring pestilence into the ear of Mark mm-hmm. to try and convince him that like Bridget isn't the one for him. And so it's like, I don't know what this gave us. Um, and I don't know why that wouldn't have been a more useful. I feel like they just didn't have 
Right. I feel like they didn't have enough time in the movie to, like, invest in Rebecca, like, going after Mark and having that exchange. So they're like, let's make Rebecca an absolute anti-threat by turning her into a lesbian. It made no sense. And it just, it felt so weird and just was like, what is happening? It doesn't make any sense at all. It's craziness. No. And... And, like, Bridget sort of ties it up the best she can. And then, you know, she goes once again. Bridget bur- bursts into a meeting, a cabinet meeting, it looks like. And <laughs> and then all of a sudden, there's, like, who is it? Like, a prime minister? Like, Bridget comes <laughs> in the m- meeting to talk to Mark. She realizes that it's this huge meeting full of important people. And she's like, oh, like, this can wait. And he's like, no, you have the floor. Speak. And it's like, um, I don't want s- to. The- it's this guy who's not Mark Darcy. He's like, I don't know. He's I, I, he's a prime minister of somebody from some South American country. And he goes, say what you have to say, young lady. And it's like, that's not really your place to, like, do that. But, like, apparently he's the authority in this room. And so we're just like, okay, like, Mark, I love you. I've always loved you. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I want to be with you. And also, I want to bring up, I found it earlier we were talking about Mark and, like, the hoops that he went through. So when Bridget's talking to her friends, they basically, this is the first time that she finds out the extent to which Mark has gone to save her or to get her out of this prison. And her friends say, you know, basically, she says he was just the messenger, you know, he was just the messenger on behalf of the government. And then her friend Tom says, who told you that? And then Bridget says, he did, straight from the horse's mouth. And then her friends say, well, I'm afraid the horse wasn't quite telling you the truth. Shazer says, I called Mark the minute I got off the plane in London. We, all of us, went down to his office and within half an hour, he'd woken up two cabinet ministers and half of MI5, but none of them could locate Jed. So Mark flew over to Interpol, which is in Lyon. They located Jed in Dubai, but there was a problem. They don't normally extradite people from there. So Mark had to ring up the home secretary who rang up our ambassador in Riyadh. And then Mark flew to Dubai, where he identified Jed, who was then impounded, pushed out of the country into Saudi Arabia, where Mark was waiting with the police. Jed was arrested, bridge, and extradited back to Britain. Then Mark flew to Bangkok to make damn sure they to make damn sure they let you go. So all of that is what Mark has done Jesus, to save yeah. her. And when Mark showed up at the prison, he said, I'm just here on behalf of the government. Like, I just happened to be in town basically for, like, a goodwill <laughs> visit. I found out about this. I was the closest person, so they sent me over here. When in reality, he has gone through an incredible amount of, you know, red tape and, you know, government, you know, whatever to get her yeah. out. But it's also F- like... Finally found it within him to stand up for her. But it's also like, say that. Yeah. Let me know what you did for me. Let me know. Right. Um, Exactly. So that's what happens. And this is what sort of implores Bridget to find, like, this is the confirmation she needs that Mark is in love with her. And then she goes. And once again, Mark is like, would this scene leads to a proposal? And I said to Dave, it's too soon. It's still it's too so soon. soon. Y'all you need guys to have figure so much to out. work out. There's so no. much to figure out still. Not only have they really not had a chance to invest in the relationship, Bridget has had an incredibly traumatic life experience. I don't 
think she's ready to invest in like well let's calm down when we say incredible life experience bridget was the cop in the block in that prison and she (laughs) what she spent most of the time doing was choreographing uh dance routines to like a virgin that is Um, true which i cannot believe this depiction of of how fun thai prison was like unbelievable also the women in the thai prison think that the lyric is like a virgin fucked for the very first time and that really made me laugh yeah Um, that's so good i mean i get it They're not. They're not 100%. wrong. One hundred percent. It's a great. It's a. It's a leap that makes total sense to me. <laughs> the eighties wouldn't allow for it, you know. No, but I bet that's um, how it was originally written. Did you know that that MTV performance of Madonna in the wedding dress? Apparently, she tripped and fell, and that's how she ended up on the floor. No way! I didn't know that. Someone I thought said that, that was. I, I saw that somewhere, and I was like, "Is that true? How iconic! Like that she wow. just turned and like a she- tumble into one of the most like." You know, I- talk iconic about moments performances. Yeah. In like, you know, award show performance history. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought, but yeah, so Bridget's out. Bridget had a romping good time. It turned into a musical almost for a minute in that prison. <laughs> and uh, when Bridget was done doing the Jailhouse Rock, she found her way back to London town and she got her guy. And then the she movie ends with like one of the only scenes with Jim Broadbent in it. He was such a huge character in the first movie. And I just love mm-hmm. Jim Broadbent as an actor. Him and I know, Mike Lee make magic together. More Jim Broadbent. Well, at always. least like a scene of him just being like, girl, what's going on? Yeah. How you doing? <laughs> um, yeah, or him just being like, I noticed Shazer's not walking with a limp. What's the tea? <laughs> uh, but yeah, we like, it's almost, I think sometimes in sequels when there's like characters who like the, who like who the writers have settled their lives in a way that like they are like happy with it's always i feel like it must mm-hmm. suck for those actors because it's like we took care of y'all it's like on a, it's like on a television sitcom that's on the air for 15 years when they finally get the couple that you wanted to get together together and like season eight and then they don't know what to yeah. do with them because they've written 100%. them to be this happy couple so then it's like they disappear from the story and it's like we're right. going to start focusing on all these other actors now and like you two are just happy and married and like we'll figure out ways to like put in little like bungles here and there but like you're the solid newlyweds because it's like we're well, never that's sort of what this. happened with Bridget's parents because they were going through something in the first Yes, um, a huge part movie. of the movie. Yeah, and so now they're back together and they're, I, well, they're doing this commitment ceremony or this um, vow renewal vow where, renewal. Ev- where everything, absolutely everything is lavender and it's so horrifying. Lovely. But it's the, you know, it's the end of the movie and for a second you think it's Bridget's wedding but you... Then it's, it's like not the oldest trick in the book. You gotta love I know. it. Like they love know. a good like wedding switcheroo where you I think know. it's the two people you spend the movie pining for, and it's like two like ancillary characters, and you're like, yeah. sure. Okay, which is good because um, too soon is the understatement Absolutely. of the century. So, um, but, but they Bridget's did. They got her guy. Walk off into the sunset together. They walk off to the sunset, and uh, they're gonna make it work. You know. Hmm. Well, and that is Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason. The Edge of Reason. Bran? Mm-hmm. I have a question for you. I actually have two questions for you. Okay. One. Would... You can ask one. No, I'll ask two. Because <laughs> I make the rules right here because it's my podcast. Um, do okay, you, we'll see about Would that. you watch mm-hmm. this movie again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like if it was like on, yeah, yeah. sure. It's if I was fun, like, if it was like on like basic table at like the doctor's office, and like I was waiting for an appointment, and it was on, I'd look up. Yeah, good. I love it. I don't know if I would ever and see this movie. Like, I'd have been a very. I I am a lover of romantic comedies. I would have, to, but I would, mm-hmm. but I would have to be in a very specific mood, and I could see a mood in which I was like, yeah, let's put it on. You know? Yeah. Totally. It's a really easy movie to watch, you know? It is. And I think that's one of the... And and you laugh. You get a couple of chuckles in, and it's sort of... um, The thing about these Bridget Jones movies, I think, is that they don't... They're so, like... They're so beige. Yeah. Like, they have no, like... They have no razzle... As razzle-dazzle, second time using an episode, I'm homosexual. (laughs) They have no, like, razzle-dazzle for, like, a romantic comedy. Also, by the way, I do want to mention... So, Bridget Jones... um, Bridget Jones, huge success. The most expensive of the of the three Bridget Jones movies, a budget of forty million, mm-hmm. came out on November nineteenth, two thousand and four, and it made two hundred and sixty five million dollars like worldwide at the box office. So a massive um, hit movie, huge, huge hit in terms of the box office. Although not that well received um, critically, no. but people don't care when it comes to Bridget Jones. They just want to be in her life. Like the people don't care. The critics are, you know. And they're not. I was honestly uh, surprised to see like the um, to see the Rotten Tomatoes like ratings of the other two movies. One of them is like seventy eight percent. One of them's like eighty, and then this one's oh, like wow. twenty seven. And yeah. I thought that was interesting that it was so low. It's I mean it's a perfectly serviceable sequel, and I don't it think totally there's any is. particular it reason. Totally I think is. it does a couple of interesting things with the whole like sequel to a romantic comedy trope, uh-huh. um, and I think it sort of stands on its own as like it's as its own sort of chapter of this movie. And it doesn't really necessarily. You don't need to have seen the movie before this to sort of no, like. No, you can figure it all out. But I yeah. will say it's my least favorite of the three. Okay. Okay. Even though, even but I like I like all of them, and I would watch yeah, all of them. It was a good time. It was a good time. Good. Um. So, Brand, do you have a movie for me next week? I do. I have something that I want you to um set your peepers to. Um, for next week, you are going to be watching the 1992 coming-of-age story that is Class Act. Oh, this is one of the ones that you gave me a choice on, isn't it? Oh, was it? Did I give you this as a choice? I think you were like, choose one of these two okay. things. Okay. And I, and I hadn't heard of Class Act, and I had heard of the other one, yes. so I chose the other one. Um, I'm excited. I can't wait. Okay, look at us. Uh, look at us. Um, thank you to you, Brandon, and to you guys, you listeners, for um, being here with us, being here with me, listening to us cover another Bridget Jones classic. Um, We love you. We are grateful um, for your presence. And if you want to continue to follow us throughout the week, you can find us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at Movies We Missed. And, of course, there's always that Twitter at MWM Chat. So we shall be back here same time next week for Class Act. We love you guys. Bye. Bye, 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 bye.
We weren't really aligned. Like, I feel like we did different vibes on that one. We did. I yeah. went for something a little bit different. <laughs> I went for this kingdom sound. Bye, bye, bye. Anyways, bye. <laughs> Maybe like this, but maybe like this. <laughs>